Welcome to the Hiring Chronicles. Whether you're watching or listening, we're thrilled you're here with Amy and myself. We're an independent podcast, no ties to smart recruiters or anyone else. So there's no corporate jargon, just real talk. And despite the rumours, we're not perfect. So please ignore our good looks and charm and take our advice at your own risk. And let's dive in. Become more senior. <laughs> well, you might have heard somebody saying become more senior. We are back for part two, Amy. We are. I'm selfishly very excited about this episode or this part. Selfishly? Yeah. Why? Because Naomi, if you listened to part one, shared an incredible insight into her story and her background. But there's a part of her story around motherhood and how she was able to to build up to where she is today. And I think as a woman that doesn't have children, I see or hear so many stories from people that say, don't have children or it's really tough or, you know, that's it, your career's gone. And now I'm like, is it really? Because I see, I see Naomi, the likes of Naomi that's obviously an incredible woman and it's doing such incredible things. And I'm like, well... She can do it. So I, it's just going to be amazing to, to hear that story. I think doing this podcast and also the kinds of people we speak to, you're surrounded by women that are doing great things, like the CEOs that we've had on, the founders that we've had on, that have had a vision, that want to make a difference. You know, they've got children. You can you can yeah. do it. You just need to have the inspiration, a bit of courage and the drive. And I think you're living more in a world where women have got the the freedom to go ahead and and do the things that they want to do whereas historically mm. it's not always been that way yeah. but there's still difficulties that I as a white privileged male don't get because I you know I don't live in a slightly different world to it yeah. but we're going to cover that in this part Amy before we get into part 2 where where can people find us they can find us on <laughs> YouTube at Spotify Apple kind of instagram and tiktok and tiktok yes yes they can find us on all those channels and welcome back to the show naomi thank you guys nice to be back here <laughs> so we we heard in part one about your journey as a kid growing up in africa moving back to the uk not going to university due to you know personal health and then getting into recruitment almost quite randomly you you ended up where you ended up mm. as a role talk us through the not going to university phase because I'm assuming that that is quite unique in terms of the role that you do the the type of hires that you're recruiting for now not going to university has perhaps been something that's slightly different it's definitely been something I've had to answer for almost my entire career um, so when people ask me now would you would you do that again um, I missed out a bit on network and social networks. I don't have that uni friend, that uni club, you know, uni group of friends that, you know, I have a really close group of school friends actually, but they all have their uni friends and I don't have my uni, a uni friend group. What I do have is a Michael Page friend group. <laughs> Shout out Michael Page. <laughs> Where we all went through a tough time under a tough manager. And actually, that's one of the reasons that connected me to you, to you guys. So I suppose my early career, I have some really good friendship groups from some of the jobs I held um, when I would have been at uni age, I suppose. Um, but I mention it um, because... One of the things, you know, my career is in two parts, really. Um, 
it's mostly been in HR recruiting since I realised at about 21 that that's what I was interested in and this was the field that I wanted to work within. Um, and I've worked my way up doing more and more senior work. But one of the big barriers to when I realised I was good at search and good at senior work, one of the big barriers was the fact I didn't have a degree. And um, I can remember meeting with um, some of the Shrek firms who said, wow, Naomi, you've got this deep expertise and you've clearly got the capability, but we'll never get you through the door because you haven't, you, you, you haven't, you, you know, we only really take from the Russell Group and you haven't even got a degree, let alone been to a Russell Group university. Um, and this was despite having, you know, expertise and experience. Um, and I have to say, I found it incredibly depressing, those conversations, um, because at this stage in the corporate world, I knew that companies were really moving away from that and thinking about all the different sources. Yet somehow in my world, we were behind the curve on diversity and how we were, where we were hiring people from. Um, I got my lucky break, actually, because one of my clients put my my name in front of a brilliant headhunter who to this day is a mentor to me, um, though she's retired. Um, a doyen in the HR executive search world who I was really lucky to be trained by. Um, but she didn't have a normal background. She hadn't come through the ranks of a university and a graduate scheme and, you know, through the sort of high profile um, executive search firms. So she saw the difference. She knew that that was part of her superpower. So she wanted to create the platform for me and could see the ingredients of a talented individual who needed a bit of nurturing and a, and a leg into a world um what did she kind of put in place then what what did she sort of structure for you that helped you continue the way the route that you wanted to go down well she was in some ways we were in a lucky scenario um so the business was an independent business it was a smaller company so one of the problems with the big firms is they were super structured and didn't know where they could fit me into because they were you know I was quite senior by that stage in the contingent world I was earning a decent amount of money I was a leader in a business and um you, you know they were sort of going well you can't come in as a researcher because frankly you you know you need client contact and we can't come in as a client contact because we can't give you that kind of target where do you fit I don't I, we can't fit you in it, you, you know it doesn't work in terms of this big multinational structure that we've got to work within um so she had the ability to be a bit more flexible because of the fact that it was a smaller smaller business um but she brought me in and was you know you're gonna you need to learn from the ground up and I <laughs> went back about 10 years in my career in fact I don't think I'd ever been in a circumstance where I didn't have administrative support in any way shape or form so it was a very humbling first 12 months in search where you know I did the research I did the reports I had to pdf them I didn't know how to do that I remember <laughs> there were all sorts of really I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's much easier now than it was at that stage frankly you just say that right but uh, you know six seven years ago um, you know, these things that I had taken for granted being quite a senior person in this world, um, you know, it was a real shock to the system. Um, now, quite quickly, um, I started to, my relationship started to come through and I started to win work and actually move from this role into back into a full 360 
Um, right, and I sort of smashed the time frames that were expected to me. I was supposed to not be doing this. I was supposed to be continuing along this slip, but it just, I made it happen. I, you know, relationships that I had initiated and nurtured for 10 years. Um, actually, that was the first one that came through for me with, you know, a number of searches for their team. Um, and, you, you know, from there I proved it and was given a bit more of a platform. Okay, Naomi, off you go. You know what this product is. You know, clients are clearly prepared to have you as their partner. Off you go and do it. Um, I remember, you know, so I had a really happy two or three years working with um, this wonderful woman who I am a bit rose tinted about it because I know she used to completely, in case she's listening to this, she used to completely wind me up too because she could be a bit sort of cruelly around detail and things like that. So, um, or flip flop her thinking or be difficult to track it you know so there were definitely moments of frustration but this was definitely a hey you know a brilliant learning time for me um and like I say the biggest challenge was the taking the big step back and working back from that um and it was a risk really at the time I suppose in doing so um that is, and I almost didn't make this move, despite the fact that it was something I knew I'd wanted to do and it was the right context for me to do it and it was the right business and there were some senior women for me to sort of aspire to and I was desperate for some role models at that stage um, because the businesses I'd been working in, most of them were had huge, had a big workforce of women but not at the top of the business. Um and um, so everything was right about it. But I had been married for two years and Stu and I were thinking about um, starting a family. So I was going to these interviews thinking, oh, I know I'm going to have to turn this down, but I've, I just need the experience and oh, it's just perfect. Um, but, you know, I want to have a family. And actually what I'm incredibly grateful for is the fact that this lady um did something very on PC and she said, right, Naomi, which one are you? Yorston, Barton, Yorston, your email says Yorston, the CV says Barton, which one are you? I said, well, Barton, um, that's my married name. I'd been married for two years. When did you get married? Oh, two years ago. Oh, kids. The kids on the agenda. And because she got God, it you out. you would get absolutely, absolutely killed if you were yeah. asking that kind of question. There's, no, there's nothing PC about it. It's completely <laughs> inappropriate. Um, however, that was the reason I was going to turn the job down. So if she hadn't have got it out and she, I said, well, yes, that is definitely something. And I remember thinking, gosh, how do I answer this? Well, yes, that is something that's on the agenda. And yes, I do want to have kids. Um, but obviously if I move and, da, 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 and she went, that would be brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Because actually your colleague who's on maternity leave at the moment, Katie, you could cover each other. You know, she's going to come back. She might want more kids, you know, then you off you go, you know, it will work perfectly. So I'm not worried about that. And that gave me the confidence to go for this move, knowing that the fact I was going to have kids. And it was a continual conversation. I was able to be really open with my boss that, you know, the time we, you know, we're ready and yes, it will happen. Um, it did end up being a little bit of a waiting game. It was almost too open, but it was really helpful because I was definitely going to walk away from the opportunity because I wanted kids and I thought I can't move now. So do you think it's actually a, good question to ask I think there are pluses and minuses to having this question but I do think if we were more open and if you didn't if you didn't face discrimination in this period of time because of it then actually 
people could be much more supported with making careers because I you know women we manage we self-manage we manage back like let's say you know go back a few years let's say I hadn't taken the opportunity at least I hadn't got that out on the debt on the table and I had declined the job because I wanted to have kids and then I hadn't been able to get pregnant and I was stuck in this company trying to get pregnant for three years four years five you know whatever it took before I eventually had to make you know have to make a decision my career's then plateaued I haven't made the move that I'd made you know so um it there was power in getting it out and discussing it there was power in being supported about it um and you know on the flip side I deal a lot of the time with women that will you know when I approach them for a job it's just not the right time it's not the right time because I'm thinking about starting a family, not because I've started a family, not because I'm in the midst of it, but because I'm thinking about it. Um, so fast forward a couple of years and... Before we fast forward, uh, did it transpire that the lady that was on maternity, did you did she end up covering your maternity? Did you alternate so, like And did you give each other the wink to say, <laughs> so it's your the, turn? The funny story, and it is a funny story, though it's also again evidence is a bit of what we all fit you know what women at this point in life face in having kids so um uh her, she's she's called katie she's a wonderful amazing recruiter um and friend and um katie came back from maternity leave um and a couple of sort of i think i've been there 18 months two years um i think it was two years and i announced that i was pregnant and um, I told my boss quite early actually because I, I felt rough and I wasn't myself and I felt it was really evident I wasn't myself and I just wanted the support. So I told her really early um, and I told my team really early, um, pre-12 weeks. And then we ha happened to have the summer party on the day or the day after I'd had my 12-week scan. So I allowed um, some of the partners to announce my pregnancy um, and it turned out that Katie wasn't driving. <laughs> so uh, she was having orange juice for a very different reason. Um, and she spent that whole party fielding, oh, well, you know, isn't it a good thing you're not, you know, and da-da-da, and I hope you're not about to get pregnant. And, and people said really inappropriate things. And so when it came to a month later, we couldn't have timed it. This would never have happened if we tried to, 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 to tear up um, and she had to share the news of her pregnancy <laughs> um, there, was some, there had been some awful situation you know she felt very different because she felt like this was a really difficult thing to share because actually the team was going to have this big gap of both of us going off and um, you know the people had responded to my news with joy but with her news with that's awful. That's terrible. Yeah. That you, you've got to feel like, almost, not ashamed, well, almost ashamed yeah. to say, oh, I'm pregnant. And everyone be like, oh, geez, well, Naomi's booked that off. <laughs> like, that's terrible. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't ever imagine what that feels like because as a man, not once has it ever entered my mind, oh, I can't go for that job because, you know, the missus might get pregnant. Like, it doesn't impact men at all, or at least maybe the world is evolving where we can split parental leave a little bit and it, it might not be as, you know, impactful to a woman, but 
that must have been awful for her and you. Yeah, like, it was. I know it was. Um, and, you know, the guilt I felt later, you know, I'd had this big announcement and loads of support. And then, then, you know, she had been fielding, having only just discovered that she was pregnant, you know, she'd been fielding, well, you better not get pregnant now. And the comments like that that people made with no idea that actually she was already aware that she was and, you know... Um, uh, managing that so there you go but anyway we both went off on maternity leave we had a brilliant person cover us I can remember going off on maternity leave thinking I've absolutely nailed this I'm so happy I've established myself when I come back from maternity leave um you know I'll I'll be promoted to associate partner and off I go because actually there'd been a discussion about whether I should go for promotion pre-pregnancy a uh, pre during my pregnancy um and the world changed. My daughter was six weeks old when we went into lockdown um, the first time round. And that's a whole other topic, motherhood in a first time motherhood in a pandemic. Anything you want to explore down that route? We've got time. Maybe um, not Maybe not the full length of COVID. <laughs> but. I think the main thing I'd say is, um, so what? what's really raised it again for me this week is... Um, while we were the week that we we're recording the COVID inquiry, they've had the one woman that was senior in this space, and she's talked about the fact that there was a lack of awareness for women's issues. It was so obvious as somebody, you know, a mum that was going through the circumstance, going, "This cannot be right. There is no. This is inhumane to make me be in this situation that we're completely ignoring pregnant women and." Um, babies and children and women's things caring responsibilities so it was just it was really obvious to me at the time and I'm just not surprised to see it come out in the um in the in the covid review is that there just wasn't any women in the room <laughs> um so um that that's the thing I will mention um I came back to work in November 2022 and one some things that have really helped me fast forward in my career because actually since I had my first daughter my career has really accelerated I've received two promotions I made partner just before I went on my um second maternity leave um congratulations thank you it was a crazy year pregnant incredibly sick um, much sicker than I was the first time around. I spent 12 weeks sort of getting out of bed to pitch to clients, running to the loo to vomit before returning to pitch to the... I think I did interrupt a pitch twice because I was being sick. <laughs> but thank goodness, thank goodness for the virtual world and the things that had changed post-COVID. And I don't, I don't think I could have accelerated my career in the same way that I have done during this period if it wasn't for my ability to work remotely so you're an advocate for the virtual world so these people yeah. talking about we're trying to get a return to the office strategy going on and you know my, my employees don't perform as well at home than they would on site you're more of an advocate for the virtual strategy i'm actually i'm an advocate for hybrid, hybrid. um there is definitely a huge place for in person um but I do think that particularly in the last couple of years, this context and the fact that it was an equal playing field because everybody else was also virtual, so I wasn't hampered by being the one person who had to turn up to a meeting virtually because I was so sick I couldn't come into town to have that meeting. But it didn't matter because the client didn't know 
that that was the situation because the the other headhunters they were meeting were also meeting them virtually. So it, it levelled the playing field a bit, I suppose, in some of that. It made life a bit easier to properly be a mum as well as to deliver really well on the business. You know, I, I was home for bedtimes and, you know, I was around in the mornings and, you know, I haven't had to compromise in the way that I think even I saw I'll use Katie as the example here, but I remember in her first couple of years as she returned from maternity leave and I didn't yet have kids and, you know, she was always had to run away to go to pick up and she got really stressed if the train started to go wrong or, you know, she'd often be late in and, you know, in a bit. And we've all seen that person and actually, you know, where I am now, we have a bit more of an in-office culture and it's brilliant because in-person first there's absolutely value in it mm -hmm. but i do you know sometimes i do realize that i'm the one that's you know coming in in a flap having dealt with a three-year-old and a one-year-old and getting them out of the house and then the trains and the traffic and whatever else um and other people have rolled out of bed it's taken them 10 minutes to get ready uh, <laughs> and so you know they've been able to be in the office an hour and a half before me <laughs> doing the work that they need to do um, so there are, you know, there are things like that that definitely, I suppose, have helped. Um, though I did have an example of this. So one of the things that I'm doing now um, in starting a new job whilst coming back from maternity leave is I have sought support. So I work with a coach um, and the coach I'm currently working with is a lady who has an incredible background in recruitment. But the reason I went, went to her is she was the first example to me of someone who for whom motherhood didn't mean their career softened if anything she was better for it um having I had children mm. yeah she you never back. hear that you never hear it's all like i said at the, at, the, at the beginning it's if you have kids that's it your career's gone so so it's a lovely perspective yeah. to hear that because it doesn't it doesn't have to be it's no, a new it dimension, isn't it? It's hard and it's messy and sometimes it's a bit chaotic and doesn't look pretty, frankly. Um you talking know, about me. <laughs> quite often if I've got if I've got the um you know, my, my green screen up on my Teams screen when I'm working at home, it's because I'm hiding a load of laundry or, <laughs> you know, a situation like a mess, frankly, because everything else has had to wait while I either I'm a you know, either I'm a focused partner trying to do a brilliant job or win something interesting, or I'm a mum trying to have fun with my kids and things get sacrificed along the way. And I've had to definitely be a bit prepared to not hold myself to a standard of perfection, I suppose. Um, What's that really like, though, having to... If you are that kind of perfectionist person and you're you're having to make some sacrifices, that must be tough. What what is that? It's really hard. Um, and I, you know, I'm lucky in that actually that comes easier to me than it does to many of my many women, many of my friends. My mum was an example of that. She didn't hold herself up to a stand a high. You know, she keeps a house that's clean and tidy but it's not perfect and they never get you know when you were talking about the panelling my family never got round to massively invest they were too busy on other things much higher brow things saving you know educating people who weren't receiving education saving blindness so I've been able to let go of some stuff much easier than I think some other people would have done without that societal norm if they've had a 
you know, um, if their demonstration is somebody who, you know, they may have had a career, but quite often they haven't necessarily. So um, some of that's come easier to me. Um, I also benefit from having some slightly older, you know, because I came into the workplace younger, a lot of my friendships that I built early on in my career are two or three years ahead of me. Mm -hmm. So they've already got kids that are at primary school age or a few years ahead of me. And I, I watched a few of these things. I'm a real overthinker and data gatherer as a person. Um, and, you know, I will go out when I when I wanted to, for instance, when I built a list of what I needed as a mum, you know, the, the baby list of the things you need to get. I asked everybody, what did they think? You know, so I went out and got, I did a, I did a survey. I crowdsourced my information about the list of things I should get. Um, but I approached motherhood in the same way. And one of the data points I can remember in a group of friends was one of, trying to meet up for lunch on a weekend. And I met up with the two friends and they both had kids at this stage already. And one of them, that the, their partner had said to them, oh, yeah, I'll take don't worry, you have a really nice day. I'll take the kids out. We'll leave early in the morning so you can have a long bath and have a really nice morning getting ready. Anyway, the partner got out with the kids 20 minutes before she was due to leave the house. Um, so that hadn't happened. And she'd barely had a shower, let alone anything else. Um, but she was out and she was happy about that. And she'd sort of had to be very involved in getting them out. So she hadn't had a bath and whatever else. And then the other one looked at her and was like, well, that's silly. Why didn't you just do it all the night before? Why didn't you just make the sandwiches for him, for their kid? So the other one had been able to have this morning of chilled and whatever else but because she'd done it for them um and to me what was really important was to you know my lessons from watching this was the amount of the sort of the the load that my female friends were taking on around parenting um not always because their partners weren't part or you know weren't weren't prepared to help but there was part of needing to let go of control and things like that so I, I guess I was a conscious of that. Um, and in my relationship, you know, I often say, well, people say to me, well, how do you do this? Well, you do this by being really careful who you have children with. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> oh, I think that's not the always easy. <laughs> you can marry anyone. Frankly, you can get out. You, know, you can undo that, but you can't undo the children that you've had. And the number of my friends, and I've watched these even in the last year with the friends that I've been on maternity leave with, where they thought they had a really equal career. They thought they had, you know, they were equal careers, they're equal earners often, yet somehow they're picking up the burden of pickups and drop-offs and things like that. And they're looking at, well, how, I'm going to have to reduce my workload. I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to fit this all in. And all of a sudden there's this sort of shift that happens some point around having had children returning to work where this equal partnership becomes slightly less equal and some of that is societal but some of that comes from within you know your setup and I'm really lucky I've, I've but I've worked hard me and my partner have worked hard on how do we make sure that that stays as equal as possible you've kept him in line and I don't think it is equal I think he carries a lot of the load actually um, you know, I've been really clear. I wanted to. I wanted to create a family. I wanted to have a great family and be as close as I could as a mum. But actually, um, you know, I'm probably slightly more ambitious, slightly more driven in my world, and he's been quite prepared to step into some of that. Um, and Naomi, just going back a stage, you said that you sought out a coach. Yeah. 
and her career elevated and your careers elevated to promotions, made partner. If a woman specifically who's thinking of children is watching this podcast, mm. have you got any guidance to give in terms of consider these things, put these things in place? Like there must be certain elements that you can guide on that will help a, a young woman or any woman of any age considering children or a family. So the story I was telling last night actually to quite a few people is um, a lady called Deb Lee, who's currently the CHRO of Compass Group, did a, um, uh, did a talk for me when I was back in my contingent recruitment days um, for a group of junior HR professionals and this whole room was young women, um, apart from a handful of, of guys. And um, all they were interested in, despite many of them not being anywhere near a relationship and having children, was how do you manage motherhood and a career? So the first thing I'd say is you absolutely can do it. And there are there's a lot of stories of how difficult it is and how and it is, but it's incredibly fulfilling and careers are difficult anyway. Um, but the first thing I'd say is take away the idea that you can't have both and take away the idea that it's too, you know, it's so hard and some of the narrative around that. Um, and then the two pieces of advice that that Deb gave that really, really hung true for me um, now, she said outsource, outsource, and that's great if you can afford to do it, um, which we can't all necessarily. But again, leaning in and trying to progress your career will help with that. Um, but the, the the big piece was actually take the most difficult job you can on offer that's on offer when you come back from maternity leave because you are capable of so much more than you know and you will somehow get through it. But if you don't do it then you'll start to taper off. You've taken the easier option. Um, and what you find is that society around you will start to manage your expectations of what you're capable of. And that is the thing that I have found really profound and so strong in the last four or five years of my career. Because even before I went on maternity leave, I remember saying, I'm going to share parental leave with my partner so I will be back by this day. And people would say, my mentor, who has been a brilliant sponsor for me, I can remember her saying to me, well, no, you don't know how you're going to feel and thinking well I, that's when I'm going to be back because <laughs> it doesn't matter how I feel because <laughs> I need to work and you know um and but people did you know and don't go for that promotion now because you know you, you you're not feeling great and you you know put your put yourself you know put your family first now and this sort of expectation you know other people started to manage those expectations around me um, so that's kind of what I've done now in joining Redgrave. Um, I've taken a big step up, um, coming back from my second maternity leave. Um, and, you, you know, it was a really difficult thing to do. I spent, you, you know, I wasn't sure that I should do this. And most people said to me, oh, Naomi, just, you know, if you go back to where you're really well known, really well thought of, um, you know, you've got, it is, it'll be safer. You, you know, you can always do it executive search careers are long why do you have to do it now um but you know part of accelerating my career has been making the decision and going for it and you know it's interesting I did have a moment of overwhelm and thank goodness this week because 
I'd gone to the doctors. I'd had to take time out to go to the doctors. When I was at the doctors, I had to organise some vaccinations. That's more time out for my kids. I'd had to think about all these other things whilst I was there because actually she needed a 12-month development review and my other one needs another vaccination and um, I need to get blood tests, more time out um, and I've got to see schools. I'm doing all the school visits for my three-year-old. Um, plus I've started to get really busy at work already six weeks in so um, you, you know it's a really intense period and you know I've got other things on my social calendar we've got an 80th birthday this weekend and guess it's not on my side of the family but guess who's still organizing it and working out how we get there um, and you know thank goodness I had a coach in my pocket because I just messaged her and said I'm having this moment of going I don't know where to start and I feel a bit overwhelmed and you know I'd say a couple of things. It doesn't have to look perfect. Yes, you will have those moments, but putting the the support system around you that helps, listens, guides you, gets you through that, and um, if all else fails, take two minutes out to breathe. <laughs> breathe. That's the biggest piece of advice. Uh, uh, yeah, and unfortunately we're at time but we are at time. i could listen to naomi for a lot I'm a bit longer in awe. <laughs> i have so many questions and so many yeah it's incredible am i allowed to ask my question we will have one more minute left for amy's power question go <laughs> um, okay so if you had a magic wand one wish whatever it may be you could only have one change or one difference you could create something in the world of motherhood diversity careers what would it be one thing that you feel could make an impact We all heard Amy's belly rumble. <laughs> I haven't had breakfast. Feed Amy is the one thing I'd change. Um, one thing. I think it would be taking the motherhood load away. Because if I didn't have to have this whole chunk of my brain dedicated to everything else that goes with family admin... I could really change the world, I reckon. <laughs> All women really could. So I would say if we could take that and at least more equally share it or just parcel it up and package it and outsource it for free, that would, I think, change life lives for many women and many families. So that would be the, the, the one thing, I think. There you go. Thank you very much, Naomi. I, even as a privileged white male as I am, it's been really interesting listening to you. I thank you very much for, for coming and seeing us during a crazy life that you lead and such a hectic schedule. I, I hope it's been inspirational for other people as well. Definitely, again, selfishly for me, it's been inspirational. But You thank can do it. <laughs> that's, what I, that's the other thing is I just, you know, I need help with confidence and my imposter syndrome. And that's where my coach comes in and my friends um, and the people, the, the brilliant people I have around me, colleagues, etc. Um, and that's what I'd say, surround yourself in people that will hold, hold you up beyond your imposter syndrome. I love that. Thank <laughs> you so much, Naomi. It was amazing to have you in and yeah, super insightful. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you.